Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City Church. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City, and I, I, I uh, am so glad that you're here as we kick off winter <laughs> in October. What the heck happened, man? So I, I'm so, I am so glad that you got bundled up and came out here today. I hope it's obviously going to be a nice, beautiful day out. But I am excited also because we're kicking off a new teaching series. The way that we uh, do teaching and engage the Bible in our everyday lives here at Soul City is we tend to talk about a passage or of the Bible, a part of the Bible, or a concept of the Bible uh, for a couple weeks, maybe a month or so, or until I run out of things to say. And then, and then we move on to something else. And so what we're looking at for this month is prayer. We're going to be looking at something that is so central and so significant to any uh, person who's serious about faith, this idea of, of prayer. We're going to be talking about it throughout the whole month of October. And specifically, how do we pray when we don't know what to say? How do we pray after words fail us? How, how do we pray when we're in a difficult or a trying season? How do we pray when we don't hear anything back from God? And my, my heart is, my hope is, that wherever you're at, kind of on your prayer experience, whatever you walk into today with, my heart, my hope is that you would leave this time and leave over the course of this month loving prayer, that you would love God more through time of connected prayer with him, and that our church would be more and more and more of a praying church. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed, and if those of you join us in the corner classroom and overflow, we're so glad that you're here. You're just going to have to take my word on this one. Uh, there's pillars. Can you look to see the pillars? Maybe you're sitting right next to one, or uh, if you, you're, maybe you're right behind one. But you see these pillars. Do you see how there's things written on them. Do you know what's so cool about what God has done in this church? We started about four years ago, and at some point, we encouraged people to write some prayers on these pillars, but we really haven't talked about it a ton since. And what people do is they just grab a pen, they find a pen, and people have been writing prayers on the pillars of our church for the last four years. And I would encourage you, as, as part of maybe worship or growing closer to God, for you to actually spend some time reading some of these prayers. I have very specific prayers for very specific people in my life that I've been praying for for four years now, and the ink is fading, but my prayer for them continues and remains. And what we've done is uh, we've actually put little pens at the bottom of each of the pillars so that when we're done with our time here today and throughout the whole month, at any point, you can actually write a prayer. You get to actually write graffiti on a church. That's a pretty awesome thing to say today. <laughs> and if there's a big prayer that you've been praying for a long time or a small, just a very real prayer, I'd encourage you to write it and write it in a place that you'll see it so that you can come back and see God's faithfulness as we continue to grow as a praying church. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of look at a bigger picture and a framework for prayer that's going to require us to be really, really honest about prayer. There's a lot of study, a lot of research, a lot of surveys done about prayer. And what I want to do is do a very informal poll right now, a completely unscientific survey about prayer in this room and for those of you who are in the corner classroom as well. Here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to turn to the person next to you, and these are all just yes or no questions, okay? They're just yes or no questions. So introverts, it's just yes or no. <laughs> Extroverts, it's just yes or no, okay? Let me just be very clear about the rules here, all right? Just yes or no. Very simple questions. You're going to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to answer these questions honestly, okay? Here's the first question. Do you think prayer is important, yes or no? Okay. Now, just honestly, do you think that prayer works? Do you feel like you're praying enough? Okay, that turned there at the end, didn't it? I gotcha. All right. Yeah, this is the tension I think all of us feel and face, but we very rarely talk about. I think everyone would agree that boy, prayer is important, or I, I want to pray more, but 
we honestly feel oftentimes we're not doing it enough. We're not doing it right. I mean, surveys back this up. Every time there's a survey, national survey on prayer, I'm always amazed at the responses of how many people say that they pray. The most recent one done by the Pew uh, Foundation, they found that 55% of Americans, half of America says that they pray every day. In fact, they also found of, of people that don't affiliate themselves with any religious group or denomination or any system of belief, that 22% of those folks pray every day. I don't even know who they're necessarily praying to, but they know that it's important to pray. I think all of us want to be able to say that we pray or that we pray more, but most of us honestly probably feel like we don't know if we're even doing it right or if we're doing it enough. And what makes it worse is when you get around people who seem like they know what they're doing and they seem really good. Maybe they're really great at praying and it just heightens all of your insecurities about how you're not doing it right or not doing it enough. Maybe you've been in a small group where you've prayed in a group of people or maybe you've even been to a, a prayer group or a prayer service. And there's lots of different types of people that have lots of different types of styles of prayer. You know, maybe you've been in a group where someone, whenever they come to pray, they completely change character and they get all Shakespearean and like go back to like King James language and they're using words like, oh God, would you just bestow on us? Just like, you know, God, we just, oh, we, you know, we beseech thee, God. I'm like, beseech? Really? Like when's the last time you asked a girl out and said, I beseech you to date me? That's just weird. You wouldn't say that in real life. Right? But when sometimes when people come to pray, they use words they would never use in their ordinary life. And because that's what we feel like we're supposed to do. And if that's not you, then you feel maybe insecure because you don't know the special prayer words. <laughs> maybe for you, you've been around you know, a group of prayer, and there's always that person. We, we call it the, um, the Christian cow or the, uh, the holy grunt. And that's when someone's praying, they just go, mmm. Mmm. <laughs> you don't necessarily, I mean, you don't have a problem with it. You just don't maybe get it. You know, mmm. And it's like a whole, it's like a holy cow. And, and, and my, my wife is, she, she is very guilty of the Christian cow and the holy grunt. I mean, she'll do it to her own prayers. Lord, mm, God, I just, mm. I mean, she's feeling it. She's feeling what she's putting down in that prayer. So, and if you've ever been around and you're just, that's not you or you're maybe, you, know, it's, you can feel at times you may feel insecure or, or maybe you can feel like you're not doing it right. You're not doing it enough. And yet prayer remains, prayer remains one of the most spiritually significant things a person of faith can do. Think about it for a second. That you can actually talk to the God of the universe. That you can actually engage and have relationship and even conversation with the God of the universe. This is one of the most spiritual things you can do in your life. And yet for many of us, it's more of a struggle than anything else in our life. Maybe for you, it's because you're new to faith or coming back to faith, as a lot of folks in our church are, and you just don't know the language, you don't know the words, you don't know how to do it yet. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a very, very, very long time, and your prayers have gotten very stale and very cold and very old. And if you're to be really honest, lots of times you're just kind of going through the motions. Maybe for you, it's, you're in a season of real, real pain, real hurt, Maybe you're even angry at God. And the thought of having to articulate that to him is very, very, very challenging. I think all of us, in one way or another, walk in here today with some real struggle. And the truth is that any person, anyone who is committed in their heart to pray has found it hard to pray. 
Anyone who's committed in their heart to pray has found it at some point in their journey hard to pray. And so I want to share with you and I want us to dive into one passage that's going to make it even harder. So I want you to grab a Bible. That's not what you thought I was going to say, huh? You thought I was going to make it easy. Nope, we're going to make it harder. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a Bible and open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, we have you covered. There's a blue Bible in your seat back or in the seat in front of you. And in the blue Bibles, it's on page 826. Page 826, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at how Paul makes prayer even harder, at least at first pass, than we might think. Let me give you a quick context. This is a letter. This is what, a letter written by the Apostle Paul. It's written to a church, much like this church. In fact, he wrote about half the New Testament, and most of the New Testament are letters written to churches. And in these letters, Paul would many times uh, be instructive. He would talk to them about what this life with Jesus looks like, how to pray, you know, so he's teaching them. Sometimes he's encouraging them, reminding them, hey, you're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you. Other times, they are very uh, corrective. And he's saying, you're doing a terrible job. And let me tell you how. And he kind of corrects and gives them sort of a right view and a right perspective of God. And so this is one of the times that Paul talks about prayer. And it comes at the end of this letter to this church in Thessalonica. And this is what he says. And see if this isn't encouraging to those of you who might have found it hard to pray. I want you to fill in the blanks when I pause. Even those of you who are in the corner classroom in overflow. Here's what Paul says. Rejoice how often? Always. (laughs) Pray how often? Give thanks in all circumstances. <laughs> really, Paul? It's already hard enough as it is, and this is what Paul is saying. I want you to rejoice always. I want you to pray continually. I want you to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does that even look like? It's hard enough for me to like to pray once a day. Maybe on a good day, I'll pray twice. Maybe on a Sunday, three times in one day. But Paul, you're saying to pray continually, always praying, always giving thanks in all circumstances? That just doesn't, like, that just doesn't work in the real world. Like maybe I get it for Paul, right? Maybe he's coming out of like a 48-hour solitude time away with God, and he wrote these words, fired up with God. And it's great for you, Paul. Like you wrote half the New Testament, so I'm assuming you prayed a lot. And maybe that's easy for someone who's like a, a pastor. Like I get, I, you know, I get paid to pray, right? So easy for you to, but in like the real world, my life, my family, my friends, my roommates, my job, no way. No way. I, I'm already don't, I feel like I'm not doing it enough. Now I'm supposed to do it always and continually. And it's easy when you come across a verse like this. I remember the first time I came across this years ago, I'm like, that's impossible. And so what we can tend to do with verses like this is we nod our head externally, but our heart says no internally. I can't do that. That's not possible for me. And you maybe write it off as just sort of an anomaly, like, well, this is just that one verse that says that. But Paul goes on. And he says in Ephesians 6, you don't need to turn there. Let me just share with you the same thought over and over and over again. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always, you see the theme there, all, all, always. Keep on praying for the Lord's people. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything, But in every situation, there it is again, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Colossians 4, 2 says to devote yourselves, to give yourselves over, to give yourselves over to prayer, being watchful 
and thankful. How is, wait, how is anyone supposed to do that always, continually, in every situation, in all circumstances? What does that even look like? How am I supposed to do that when I already feel like I'm not doing it enough? Well, one of the things that's helping me see what this really looks like comes from a most unexpected place, uh, and it's from watching my kids. And I don't, I don't know if you have kids or if, if you've been around kids for a while, um, they live in a always, all circumstances, constant expectation for connection with you. My, my kids just always assume that whatever is happening in their world takes top priority in my world in that moment. And if you've ever been around kids, they have no issue with that. Of course this is how it should be. You're an adult, you're here for me. <laughs> Like, that's how this works. And so my son, whatever it is that he's into, he'll want to say, Dad, Dad, he's into this game called Minecraft. He's just so into this game called Minecraft. And so I don't know if you know about this game. I don't have, it would take a whole month of teaching for me to try and explain this game to you. So he's into this video game, Minecraft. He's like, Dad, did you know that Ender Dragons are real? And in the Ender Dragon, you can actually kill an Ender Dragon, or you can train an Ender Dragon and get it to kill the zombies for you. I'm like, I did not know that. That sounds... <laughs> Amazing, and he'll just like, Dad, let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. Dad, I just reorganized all my baseball cards. He has this giant binder of baseball cards. Dad, I just reorganized all my baseball cards. Let me show you how I did it. And he'll break down why he organized it the way he did it. And his expectation is that I am as interested in his baseball card reorg as he is. <laughs> Our daughter, no matter what emotion she's feeling, let me, let me reset that. As she feels all emotions at all times, <laughs> she, you know, her daughter, she's just, we say that she's emotion full. She's just full of emotions. Well, she expects me to engage with her right where she's at. And when she's happy, we, are, we laughed so hard. We made videos of ourselves last night at the dinner table. We were laughing so hard that all of us were crying. And the expectation was that this is what we do right now. I know we have to finish what's on our plate, but we're going to laugh right now. And when she's sad, she expects me to drop everything and hold her and wipe away her tears. When she's hurt or when she's scared, it's my arms or Jeannie's arms that she comes running to. Kids have this amazing capacity to live in a constant, continually, all day, every situation expectation that their parents are present with them and interested in what they're doing. And I wonder what prayer might look like if you and I had the same expectation towards God. That whatever it is, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, the, the expectation is that God is here and he is interested in all of it, in all of it. See, somehow what we've done is we've made prayer like a thing that you do, like this thing that you do that's externally separated from you. It's this thing that you go and do. Will you say a prayer for me? Or I'm not praying enough. And so it's this thing that we have to go and do. And the Bible does speak to very real, clear times of prayer or calls to gather together in prayer. But what, what the Bible speaks to again and again and again, as we just saw, is that prayer is, is not just sort of a, a thing you do, but it's more the way that you do things. It's not just a thing you do. It's the way that you actually do things. It's like it's more of a, an adjective or an adverb than it is a noun or a verb. It's the way in which I walk about my life. It's the way in which whatever it is that I'm doing at all times and all circumstances, I am aware 
of the reality of God's loving presence right here, right now in this moment. That that's maybe what Paul's talking about. That's the bigger picture of prayer, is that I am always ever aware that God is here and that I don't have to like go somewhere else or, 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 or like say special spiritual words or do something other than myself, but rather that I am to live more aware of God's loving presence at all times. That prayer is not sort of my invitation for God to come into my world, but prayer is a reminder that he's already here. I'm not trying to summon God into my life like a genie rubbing the lamp saying, oh, now I want to talk to you. But prayer as a way of life is, no, you're already here, aren't you, God? In fact, Richard Rohr writes a lot about this, this way of prayer. And he says these words, he says that we cannot attain the presence of God. You can't sort of like summon God's presence or just turn it on when you want to, when you feel like praying. We are already totally in the presence of God. What is absent is awareness. How true that, that is for me in my life. What is absent is my awareness of God's loving presence in my life. So as I've been studying and reflecting on this and thinking about how that plays itself out in my life, I wrote this down, and you might want to jot it down too, as a way of understanding prayer. And thankfully, lucky for you, it rhymes and it's bumper sticker ready. And, uh, but it's helpful to me to understand what I so often miss, that I don't like pray to get God to come to me, that Prayer is my reminder to be aware of his presence already in my life. So this is, this is what I wrote down about prayer, specifically what we're talking about here this weekend, that prayer is about living more aware that God is always there. Or maybe you might want to put the word in already there. That prayer is really honestly about living more aware, more aware that God is always there in all circumstances, whatever it is, at all times, whatever is going on, kind of like what Paul was talking about earlier, that I live more aware of God's loving presence in my life, that it's less a thing I do and more of a way that I live my life. There's a book that's been incredibly foundational for me in understanding this way of prayer. I read it about 15 years ago. This is a like, foundational, transformational book with an incredibly creative title. It's Richard Foster's book called Prayer. So he spent a lot of time praying about that title. It's called Prayer, and it's an incredible book. And he writes about this much, much better than I ever could. He says this, the, the discovery of God lies in the daily, in the ordinary, not in the spectacular and the heroic. If we cannot find God in the routines of home and shop, then we'll not find him at all. What he's saying here is I think lots of times what we try and do is make prayer this special spiritual thing that's outside of us that we have to do. We have to kind of go and do this thing. What he's saying is, no, no, no. God's loving presence is already in your life. Will you live more aware of it? And guess what? Lots of times it's in the ordinary, mundane, seemingly unspiritual to you things that you can actually have full access to the loving presence of God, that you can live more aware that he is already, always there, even in the boring day-to-day parts of your life, your job, walking to work, when you're at home, when you have a quiet moment by yourself, when you're shopping, that you are already always perfectly in the loving presence of God. And prayer is your reminder 
of that reality. Now, this is a big shift for me because I grew up in, around, in and around church and, and kind of Christian culture, and I spent most of probably the first half of my life feeling guilty about prayer. I can't imagine that's what God wanted for me. I felt like I wasn't doing it right or I wasn't doing it enough, and I'd be around people that would have sort of the, you know, the, the holy grunts, and they would do that sort of thing. I just thought, I don't, that, I don't know if that's me. I don't know how to do that. Or People would talk about how they would have their devotions. It's like Christian insider language where they would have their devotions, and it's a really powerful, beautiful thing. It's reflected in the Psalms about how you kind of center your heart in the morning. And so like around the church I grew up, like people would ask you all the time. In fact, they took the word devotions, and they tried to make it cool, and they said devos. That's what they called it, you know? So I can't help but think of a band with like pots on their head, but they're, but they're saying like, and so I'd like be at like a Christian camp, and they'd say, did you do your morning devos? Which is just, where else is that sentence said in the world? But, and listen, the truth is I feel guilty. I'd, I'd lie about praying. Oh, yeah, totally, totally, totally. Did my devos. Me and, me and God just devoted up. This morning, because I don't, I just didn't, that's not how I prayed. And I, and I remember, you know, I, like lots of people would journal their prayers. They would write them out. It's a beautiful way to pray. And some of you do that. You you journal, you write out your prayers. My wife has done that. In fact, uh, when we got married, she kind of came into the relationship, and I'm not joking, with three boxes of journals that she'd been keeping, prayer journals, since she was 15 years old. We still have them. We've been able to keep them, and, and I've moved them every time <laughs> we've moved. But I remember like when we first moved in, and I was like, I don't, because I just, that doesn't, that's not me. And then I see her three boxes of journals, and I'm like, Oh, they must have lost mine in the move. Uh, I had four, actually. Uh, this is really unfortunate. That's a lot of prayers gone down the drain. Maybe you can relate. And then, then I remember once a, a spiritual mentor and leader in my life said, you know, we have no recorded record of Jesus ever journaling. I thought, yes. Okay, I'm, okay, maybe I'm not as bad at this as I thought I was. And then I begin to read books like Foster's book called Prayer. And I begin to see this invitation to an awareness of the presence of God at all times in my life. And that I had access to his love, his forgiveness, his power, his freedom, his hope at all times. Imagine if my kids, imagine if our kids only talked to Jeannie and I for five minutes in the morning every day. Or imagine if they waited till the end of the day to tell us all the things that they're so excited about, interested, and believe that we should be as well. Imagine if they just waited till five minutes and then fell asleep while telling them to us. I mean, that's just not how it works with a child who knows that they have a loving parent. And that's just not how it works in a relationship with God. You're invited into a way of prayer. And it will happen at certain times and certain places. And my encouragement to you is to live more aware that God is already there. And wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, in that moment, you can actually pray. You can connect with God. And I stand up here today not as an, uh, an expert. I want to be really clear about that. We're going to talk a lot about prayer the next couple weeks. I don't, I don't consider myself an expert. Honestly, I look at my wife and I'm amazed at the way of prayer, the life of prayer that she lives. I'm humbled by it and challenged by it and inspired by it. I'm not an expert. And if I'm being really honest with you, there are days where I'm honestly amazed at how far I can go 
living unaware of God's presence. How many hours can pass? How many days can even pass where I go, God, have I even stopped to acknowledge your loving presence in my life? Can you imagine what it would look like for you this week to just live more aware? What does that look like? Well, what it looks like is, you know, maybe you've noticed, it feels like to me the last couple weeks we've had these unbelievably beautiful sunsets. And maybe you've noticed that. You've been outside after you have put all your layers on and you go outside and maybe you're struck by the colors of fall. And maybe instead of grabbing your phone to capture that and share that, you just stop and say, God, I am captured by your creativity. I recognize your love for me in this sunset. I see, God, listen, God, your handiwork is made known, your heart for me through your creation. And just say it in that moment. Just say, God, I see it. I see your work in the heavens, in this leaf changing color. I see it, God, I see it. And just name it. That's a way of praying. Instead of just going, oh, that's nice, and waiting until the end of the day and hoping that you remember, would you just say, God, I'm aware of your presence even in creation. For you, maybe there's a, a certain point in your day where real fear or anxiety just kind of comes and takes over and starts to grab your heart and pull you down. You know what that feels like. In fact, maybe that's happening right now as I've been talking this whole time. There's just a burden that you're carrying, a fear and anxiety that you're carrying. And instead of just trying to power your way through it or waiting until the end of the day to tell God about it, to just name in that moment, God, I feel afraid. God, I'm anxious. God, I'm scared. God, I don't know what's going to happen here. Then I need to know that your love, your hope, your peace is available to me right now, that you are always here. I want to be more aware of that, God. Maybe for you, you're hit with an overwhelming sense of God's goodness, blessing in your life. And you just get hit with a sense of gratitude. You get surprised by gratitude. What would it look like for you just to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for this friend. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for these children. Thank you for this job. God, thank you. Thank you for where I live. God, thank you. And just say it. For some of you, it'll be out loud. You'll say it. Some of you will be like quietly, internally. Maybe you'll want to write it down and reflect on it more. But instead of waiting till your designated spiritual time of prayer, what if you just live more aware? and said, God, I'm just going to come to you right here, right as I am. And when sin enters in, and you find yourself going back to that habit, to that addiction that's had control over your life for far too long, or you find yourself being impatient and yelling at your kids or yelling at your spouse, instead of sort of waiting till it all cools off and cools down or waiting till the end of the day, in that moment, say, God, will you forgive me? God, will you forgive me? Right now, I'm aware that your forgiving power is here and you can make me new right now, that there's nothing for me to wait for to do that. What a powerful picture that would be, this way of prayer. And maybe for you, that seems so huge. That seems so beyond what you're capable of, right? You're like, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm already feeling like I don't even know how to fully do this. And that idea of just sort of always living an open connection and awareness of God's loving presence in my life may seem really big. I want to encourage you with something and remind you of something that you are actually already awesome at this. You just need to be reminded of that. You're actually already awesome at, at living this sort of continually, always connected sort of life. In fact, you've done a lot of work to get to this point in your life. 
without realizing that you live more connected and more available at all points at the ordinary and mundane and significant moments of your life, no matter what it is you're doing. In fact, for many of you, there's a discipline that you hold every morning. It's the first thing that you do when you get up. And it's the last thing you do is you lie in bed at night. You're already awesome at this because of this. This used to be a phone. They used to be attached to walls. <laughs> it used to be a thing that you would go and do. But this has become our way of life. Without realizing that you are always, already, continually, in all circumstances, connected. And, and for many of us, we don't even think about that. That at any point, any time, someone can just get you and you are available to them. It's the first thing you grab in the morning. It's the last thing you hold. So you're already awesome at this, but the problem is you've been working for your phone for far too long. And so this week, we're going to make your phone work for you. We're actually we're going to make your phone work for God. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm actually going to ask you to pull your phone out. And don't act like you didn't bring it to church. You've been looking at your email. <laughs> I saw you looking at your email earlier. It's okay. Just pull your phone out. And would you turn it to silent, please? We just don't want to distract this moment with anything else. This is a very sacred moment right now. I'm going to have you open up your calendar app. So open up your calendar app. You can go right to that. I'd ask you not to look at anything else. Just open that up. <laughs> and here's what we're going to do. And I'm going to do it with you in real time. I want to help give you an invitation to the awareness of the presence of God in your life this week. And we're going to do it by just reminding ourselves, like well, that's what prayer is. It's a reminder of God's presence at different points throughout the day. This is an ancient practice called the daily offices where people would gather at specific times of the day to pray. We're gonna do that in a modern way right now. So I'm gonna ask you to actually set an alarm in your phone, in your calendar for every day, every day at 9 a.m. So you can set one for 9 a.m. and in the subject or whatever the appointment is, you can write whatever you need to be reminded of. In mine, I'm gonna write, I'm here. It just reminds me that God is here, that God is present. Maybe for you, it can be pray. Maybe for you, it can be pause. Maybe for you, it can be reflect. And so I'm going to ask you to do this at 9 a.m. You just write down the words, God is here or be aware. Whatever you need to do to remind you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Maybe write that down as a reminder. And then I ask you to set it again at 3 o'clock. Then I ask you to set it again at 9 o'clock, okay? So we're going to set it for three times. So you can do 9 a.m., 3 p.m. and 9 p.m. at three different points in the day. Now, for those of you who are overachievers, you can set yours for 9, for 12, for 3, for 6, and for 9. Okay? So you're going to be connecting at all, about, just about every three or so hours, you're going to be connecting with God. And all you need to do is just go ahead and put it in right now, even while I'm talking. Whatever you need to put it in as prayer, reminder, be present, God is here. I'm going to ask you to set it on repeat till infinity. Because I need this as much as you do. I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded that God's loving presence is always there. And what I love is as we set a little calendar appointment right now, you do this for a thousand other things. This is a little spiritual act of worship for you. This is you reaching into the life that you actually long to live and God's created you to live and helping get there. You're giving yourself a little reminder to be present with a God who is already present with you. And I have no idea where nine o'clock 
or three o'clock or nine o'clock is gonna find you tomorrow. I have no idea what you're gonna be in the middle of, but I would ask that we would commit to each other and commit to God to stop, to pause. Maybe it's just take a minute. Maybe you wanna write some things down. Maybe it's just checking in with God. Just being honest, just check in. You don't have to use any special words. You don't have to even go to a special place unless that helps you. But to just be honest and say, God, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm feeling. God, here's what I need from you. Here's what I need from you today, God. And to know that every time as you do, you make yourself fully available to the loving presence of God. And here's what's beautiful. This is a small thing that you can do to remind yourself that God is already there. My hope and prayer for you is that as you do, at each of these little moments throughout the day, you will have a transformational experience with the presence of God. You will be reminded that you are not alone. You are reminded that there's a God who loves you, who's inviting you into a deeper relationship with him, who's inviting you into a way of prayer with him. And how cool is it to consider that there's going to be about a thousand other folks throughout Chicagoland doing this with you at the same time? That should be encouraging. There's going to be other people around, and you know when you don't want to do it, when you feel like, oh, this is, I'm in the middle of a meeting, this is going to be awkward. Is I, am I supposed to bow my head in the middle of this meeting? What am I supposed to do? That you can even have that moment and say, God, thank you that I'm not alone. Thank you, God, that I'm not alone. I'm not alone with you. I'm not alone because there's other people gathering right now at this moment to pray and make themselves more aware of your loving presence. I think it's a beautiful thing. And my hope is, our hope is, that tomorrow you will be more intentionally present with God than you were today. And that next week you'll look back and go, I don't know if I've ever felt God's loving presence more in my life. Simply because I opened myself up to the awareness that he's already here. <laughs> and that he already cares. And our hope is a year from now you'll look back and go, thank you God. The prayer is less of a thing I try and do and more of a way that I live with you. And our hope is that this little exercise together would help you live that life with him. The writer Thomas Kelly, philosopher, thinker, says these words about this way of life with prayer. What happens when we encounter God in these little moments where we set these little reminders for ourselves? And I know, I know, it, can, I know it can seem silly when I talked about prayers on a thing you do that I just ask you to set alarms in your clock. I know that, or in your calendar, I know that. I know that that seems a little inconsistent, but the reality is, is we need little habits like this to motivate our heart. We need habits like this to motivate our heart, and then what happens is the heart gets motivated, it begins to motivate the habit. So the habits help motivate my heart, soften and change my heart, make me more aware of God's loving presence, and then over time, my heart begins to motivate my habits, and it becomes a thing that I desire to do. And so Thomas Kelly writes about these, this life with God, this rich, full life with God. And he says these words. He says that life from the center, this, this life with God where I'm ever aware of his loving presence in my life, life from the center is a life of unhurried peace and power. Listen to this. It is simple. It is serene. It is amazing. It is triumphant. It is radiant. It takes no time, but it occupies all our time and it makes our life new and overcoming. And this is the kind of life that we've been invited into with God. This is the kind of way of prayer. And so what I want us to do is take a moment to do just that. In fact, I'm gonna ask you to put your phones away now, if you would. And if you need to continue setting alarms, you can do that later. And I'm gonna ask you to stand up. 
and we're going to make ourselves aware of God's presence through prayer right now. And we're actually going to respond to God through something we're going to do a lot of next Sunday. We're going to sing and respond to God. And one of the prayer postures we're teaching our kids and we're teaching our church right now is instead of kind of like folding my hands and closing everything up, that I actually open my hands up to God. And if that is something you're comfortable with, this is something that helps me every time I pray. It's changed the way that I'm praying right now. I open my hands up and I say, God, I'm open, I'm here, I'm available. I'm aware that you're here with me right now. So maybe it'll help you to open your hands up. I'd love to pray with you and for you as we seek to make this prayer a way of our life. And then we're gonna respond to God together and sink deep into the awareness of his loving presence for us right now. So let's pray together right now. God, thank you that you were already here. You've always been here. You always will be. And forgive me, God, for all the things that I have written off as unspiritual and the hours I've spent unaware of your presence. I love you. And like a perfect father, which is who you are, I want to be more free and even courageous to share everything that's going on in my life and to invite you in to speak into my life, to speak into my decisions, to speak into my choices, to speak into my relationships, to speak into my priorities. You're a perfect, loving parent and you are interested and available. So help me to be ever aware that you are there, always already there. And God, I pray that it would be true of our church. I pray that it would be like an adjective, it would be an adverb over our church, that we would be a praying church, that we would approach things through a spirit and a way of prayer. And that it would infect our church, God, it would carry out into our lives and that we would have greater and deeper experiences with you well beyond the hour that we spend together here on Sunday. So God, thank you for what you're doing in this church, in our lives, and we pray that we will meet you and know you that much more and draw that much closer to you in these little appointments that we've set with you throughout the week. And God, we pray for more, 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 more awareness, more of your presence, more of your love. God, help us to sink deep into the reality that you are already here and that you love us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.